Welcome to the RV Dreaming Podcast. And welcome to the RV Dreaming Podcast. My name is Stuart from Stuart Doing Stuff. I'm so happy that you are joining me and us and uh, the entire RV Dreaming family today in this podcast. We have so much going on and just so much happening here on the channel. I'm just really excited to be sharing so much of this with you. Um, if you haven't already heard, I just got back from a month-long trip in Canada, and I've been recapping a lot of that activity and a lot of the FAQs on separate podcasts. So go back and take a listen to those if you get a chance. But today, we have a special guest who's going to be joining us. His name is Matthew Sands, and he's with lucky to rv here and you can go online and you can find him you know on all the different socials facebook instagram tiktok and and all that stuff but you know i i i've had the privilege of traveling with matt for i don't know a year year and a half or so off and on and i want to share with you this story you know everyone always talks about bad travel days so matt and i we were traveling from oh gosh where did my notes go we were traveling from new mexico we were just getting done uh, checking out the uh, the Meow Wolf over there in New Mexico, and we're heading over to the Tico Time Resort for a big reggae festival. You're going to figure out, you're going to see just how big of a music reggae fan Matthew is when we get into the interview. So anyways, we're on our way over there, and it was quite an adventure because when we took off that one from that one day, it was a several day trip that we were, we, it ended up being. So as I was leaving, it was just a standard, you know, departure. I was in my Super C, and I was towing my Jeep behind me. And so I was having problems with my TPMS sensor, my tire pressure monitoring system. I was having problems with the inside dually rear ones and the alarms just kept going off and I could never quite get it right. I could never figure it out. So I kind of got into the habit of just ignoring the alarms, which you should never do. Never, ever do that. But I did. Anyways, I was pulling out and no more than I would say 30 seconds, maybe 45 seconds as I was starting to speed up on the road to try and get to the freeway, the TPMS thing starts going off and I was like, oh great, here we go again. So I grab my little thing and I look at it, but then I realized that the little lights that are blinking, they're not the inside dually ones that like they normally are, it's the lights on my Jeep. And I was like, uh oh, what's going on here? So I look out my rear view mirror on my driver's side and I just see smoke. <sighs> you know, just like this. I'm like, holy crap. So I pulled over into this hotel and I got out and I was like, oh my gosh, I blew all four tires on my Jeep. They were shredded. They were smoking. It smelled like burnt rubber. And I had only gone less than a quarter mile out down the road at low speeds and it, it had I had not had that TPMS that would have been way worse. So anyways I get there, I pull over, and I don't know what happened other than I guess I must have not turned off the emergency brake like I thought I did. So I was towing a Jeep Cherokee and it has one of those just a push button emergency brakes and there's a little red light that tells you if it's on or off. I could have swore I turned it off but I guess, I guess I didn't. You know, maybe I, I, I thought I hit the button. Maybe it didn't click. It's happened before. So anyways, 
all four tires blown. We were out in this little tiny town. I was like, great. I don't know where I'm going to go to get tires if I can't find a local place that had it. Fortunately, I was able to get onto my app, uh, the Geico app, and I loved their system. It was GPS enabled, and I just logged on. I clicked blown tire. It used the GPS to find my location. It sent me a tow truck out, and then fortunately, there was a tire place that was right there. They were able to get me four brand new tires, the exact size that I needed, in a matter of like three hours. So it was a little bit of a delay, but it was fine. I told Matt just, I said, you just go, I'll meet you at the next spot. I'll hang out here and I'll meet you when I meet you. And so that was, um, and that was, that was day one of, of that trip down to the Tico Time uh, Resort. The next day, it was windy. It was very, very windy. And we were driving. I was in front and Matt was following behind me. And in my Super C, I have a 100-gallon diesel tank. So I can go a long ways. And Matt is towing a fifth wheel, I'm sorry, a travel trailer, a Radiance travel trailer with a Toyota Tacoma. And he has the extended range fuel tank in his uh, in his truck. So we can go quite a distance. And he's been on the road longer than I have. So he knows what his truck can handle and the distance and, and stuff. So anyways, we had planned to stop at a truck stop and get gas and get lunch and then continue our journey. So I'm about, I don't know, four or five miles from the truck stop and Matt's behind me and my phone rings and it's Matt. So I answer it and he goes, I'm out of gas. I'm stuck on the side of the road. It's just a little two lane road. And I, so I pulled over and I was like, okay, let's figure out what we're going to do. So Matt first tried to see if he can funnel gas from his generator. He has a generator in the back of his truck. Try to see if we can pull some of that out, put it into the truck to get him at least the five miles to the gas station. I mean, we're, we're right there. We're, we're right there. Uh, but we couldn't get that done. So I said, all right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to drive up to the truck stop. I'm going to detach the Jeep with its brand new tires. And um, I'll go buy a fuel tank. Uh, you know, a five-gallon little thing. I'll go buy one of those, fill it up with gas. I'll come down to get you, or I'll come down to where you are. We'll put that into the tank, and then we'll moosey on back and get you filled up. So anyways, that's what we did. I, I went up. I got the gas can. I filled it up with gas. I took the Jeep. As I was going down to meet Matt, where he was at on the side of the road, it turned out a small little wildfire, a little brush fire started. And not, we're again, two-lane road, not a lot of people out there. So I called 911 and said, hey, there's a brush fire, blah, 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 blah. And they got the coordinates, and they're like, cool. So I get down to uh, Matt, where he is. We put the fuel into the tank, and we get ready to go on. And then we, as we're going back to the truck stop, there's like, you know, the fire is bigger, uh, but they had it under control. You know, they had a lot of people out there and it definitely grew in that little bit of time, but it was fine. It was under control. So we get to the gas station. He gets his gas. We have our lunch. And then as we're coming out of the truck stop and we're getting ready to continue on our journey off in the distance in the direction that we're heading, we see even a bigger fire going and we're like, oh gosh, what is this? And, um... And we're like, whatever. So we get in there. We hit the freeway. This is an interstate now. I forget which one it is, but it's a big old interstate. And we start heading this way. And then all of a sudden, poof, the entire freeway is closed for an indefinite amount of time. The smoke was just blowing over the road. Interstates got closed in both directions. And so we, we got stranded another night. 
uh, because they didn't open it that day. So we're like, well, what are we going to do? And, and fortunately, we were able to find a Harvest Toast location that was really close by to where we were at. It was a restaurant, a little Mexican restaurant. So we're like, we're just going to go there and uh, and make the best of it. So we, we camped out there, and it turned out that we had some other friends that were traveling the opposite direction in their Class A, and they were also towing a Jeep Wrangler. And they had a tire blowout too, believe it or not. And so we all decided to meet up at this Harvest House and we ate and we drank. And because we're, we're, where else were you going to go? We're stranded. We couldn't get through until the fire was out or the smoke died down or they reopened the freeway. So we were there for the night. So we're like, screw it. You know what? We're having a little margarita party. We're going to make some tacos. We're going to go to this Mexican restaurant. We're gonna just going to hang out because... Sometimes when you're on the road, you kind of have to adapt and you kind of have to make the best of things, right? I mean, that's that's part of life. That's just part of being on the road. So anyways, we had an adventure those few days between the blown tires, the out of gas, the fire, and this. And I just was telling Matt when I was trying to get my notes ready for this intro, and I was like, let's never have that kind of a trip again. <laughs> but it's funny how the most memorable trips are the ones that normally something goes wrong on <laughs> anyways we're going to be talking with matthew sands from lucky to rv here right after this yourself.
Can't Let Go here on the RV Dreaming Radio Podcast. Stuart here. And my next guest is Matthew Sands from Lucky 2 RV here. Matthew's been traveling in his trailer for about five years now in his little bumper pool. And he started out traveling with the Escapers RV Club when he first hit the road. Met a great community on the road. Now he's doing something a little different And it's really cool. We're going to talk about that now. So, Matthew, welcome to the RV Dreaming Podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I am excited to talk to you because you have just such a rich story. So let's start out by just introducing yourself and giving everybody a little bit of background about you. Well, I I am from California and I sold everything and bought an RV and a truck to pull the RV. five years ago. So I've been on the road for five years now. I was diagnosed with juvenile arthritis as a baby. So, um, you know, a lot of people travel once they're older, maybe retired, but I wanted to do it while I knew that I could still do it. So here I am doing it and I'm working from the road and, and enjoying all of the new places I'm exploring. You know, that's the one thing that keeps coming up as a common occurrence is people say, I'll do that when I retire. I'll do that when I retire. But as we've talked about a lot on this program, retirement A isn't a guarantee. And and RVing the country may have been a thing that retired people do maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, but it's completely different now. There's a huge age demographic of people that are on the road that that um, is shifting the RV lifestyle you know, from vans and schoolies and, and all that. And and Starlink and, and COVID has even changed the way people travel and who travels. Yeah. And it's changed since I've been on the road. Like I said, I've been on the road for five years and um, Starlink, for example, is a game changer. At first I had to, um, for work, make sure that I always had some sort of cellular internet connection available. But now with Starlink, I'm just making sure that I have a view of the sky. So you are on the road. You've been on the road for five years. What made you choose full-time RVing? So it was kind of, um, it was kind of a quick decision. I, from the time I started really considering it until the time I was in my RV, it was two months. And I know a lot of people um, really plan it and take a lot longer with that. Um, I've always liked traveling. I've always worked remote. So um, when I travel, I take work with me. And, you know, I just started thinking about it. What is holding me to one spot when I can work from anywhere? And even just with the cellular connection back five years ago, you were still able to do it pretty successfully. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no problem. I, I kept a couple different hotspots, which I actually still have. And I'm debating whether or not to drop them. It's hard to drop those grandfathered unlimited hotspot plans when (laughs) you get such a good deal on them because once you drop it, you can't get it back. So I've held on to my AT&T hotspot and my Verizon hotspot. And they do come in handy sometimes if I am just uh, overnighting, for example, maybe I don't want to set up Starlink. I'll just um, use one of those hotspots. Find us online. RVDreaming.tv. Remember to hit that subscribe button. I got no money. Like it or not, I'm funny. Still in search of my destination. I like to party. Living my way is arty. All I offer is my 
Here on the RV Dreaming Radio Podcast, we've been talking with Matthew Sands from Lucky to RV here. So let's talk about your travels. You're traveling just by yourself. Just me and my German Shepherd. All right. So got the dogs with you. Tell me about when you started traveling. What did you do when you just said, I'm just going out by myself. I'm taking the dog and here we go. Or did you kind of have a plan? Did you, were you a national park kind of camper? Or are you a RV park kind of camper? You know, what? What's your style? So at first, I didn't really know exactly how long I'd be on the road and how I would camp. Um, I knew that I wanted to give it a try. And because I was diagnosed with arthritis at such a young age, weather affects me. And so I knew that I wanted to travel and stay in warm climate. So I was thinking maybe I would be a seasonal traveler. Maybe I would go down to Southern California, Arizona in the winter, and then head north in the summer. Um, 
And so that was kind of my original plan. I bought a um, zone pass from Thousand Trails and that way I could pop in and out of um, parks. But I knew that I would want to boondock some. So I, I had solar installed right away before I even um, left my hometown. I also did a lot of research. So even though it was only two months from the time I decided that I was going to do it until I was actually living in my RV, in that two months, I watched so many YouTube videos, listened to podcasts, um, just did my research. And I found um, a nomadic community, the Escapers, and I saw that um, they were working age RVers. And I knew that that was something that um, I was interested in meeting up with them. Um, and so once I got on the road, I was on the road for... I think uh, maybe four months or maybe even less. Um, and then I went to my first escapers meetup New Year's Eve in Quartzsite, Arizona. And I found a great community there. I found great friends. And oh, I think we lost you a little bit here. You kind of froze up on me a little bit. You're going to pop up any second now. This is one of those um, issues with live recordings you just never know what the technology is going to coordinate okay sorry matt we lost you there for a second you were just oh, saying it, it froze up a little bit and i was feeling in you were saying that um you had just yes. uh, met up with the escapers group your first event in um on new year's eve in courtside yeah so um once i met started traveling around with them and uh i met great friends um found a great community with them and uh and so I, I spent a lot of time with escapers. So it wasn't really about the destinations. It was about the friends. It was about uh, traveling with people that had similar interests. So I did a lot of national parks. I love hot springs. And so um, I went to a lot of hot springs. And, uh, and really, it was about the community, though. It was about people. We'd have potlucks. Uh, we'd set up outdoor movie movies um outside of our rv and camp and that was that was a lot of fun and it still is fun i i meet up with escapers pretty often but my travels have shifted a little bit over the last year yeah we're going to get into that a bit but i want to kind of go back to something that you mentioned you you said that decided to move into an rv and do the full-time rv life and in two months and during that time you watched a lot of youtube you looked at a lot of podcasts you did a lot of research now that you've been on the road for five years is there something that you look back on when you were researching and said wow that was wrong <laughs> or or wow i i didn't even research this i should have spent more time understanding this concept or this something that I didn't really get that I had to figure out once I hit the road or was your research that you did pretty spot on? It, it was mostly spot on. I would say that in the beginning, um, I started looking at everything RV related and all the gadgets that I would need. And then once I got on the road, I realized that I didn't really need RV specific cookware and things like that. Um, and so that was kind of a, kind of an awakening there um and I'd, I'd say that there there's people that camp or travel 
for a lot of different reasons. A lot of the YouTubers that I were watching, they were maybe part-time RVers or uh, weekend warriors or, um, mm -hmm. and, and I think that full-time is, is much different. And so, yes, after being on the road, uh, it's different than I expected it would be. We're gonna find out what difference he's talking about right after this. Wake up to PM, I don't know where we are. Looks like a cheap motel with our clothes on the floor. I don't know how we ended up here. And we've been flying high, are we going too far? I got no cash left and I'm losing my job over you. But I don't care about that.
You're listening to the RV Dreaming Radio Podcast. Stuart with you. I hope you're enjoying today's program. We're talking to Lucky 2RV here's Matthew Sands. And Matt's been on the road for five years with his dog, Kona. And he did a lot of research before hitting the road, just like a lot of people do through podcasts and YouTube and, and everything that you can imagine. And he was saying, though, that the expectations of, say, a weekend camper RVer is different than the full-time RV lifestyle. Matt, what do you mean by that? I would say that I expected that I was going to be moving around a little bit more often. I I expected that I was going to be, um, you know, traveling from one place to another, and I was going to put so many miles on my truck. And um, I realized that slow travel is the way to go. I really enjoy uh getting into a new community and spending time there, becoming a local for uh, at least a couple weeks. And a lot of my friends will ask me, man, your truck may have like so many miles on it after five years. Well, I've got 75,000 miles on my truck in five years. So oh, wow. I wouldn't say that's a whole lot. Wow. Um, in fact, I have a lot of friends that commute to work every day and put more miles on their vehicle every day just on a, a freeway commuting to work. I've only done the western United States. Like I said, it's slow travel. So mm -hmm. I have not gotten out east, but um, I've been all the way up to North Dakota and all the way south to Texas. So I've done I've done pretty much the whole western United yeah. States. Is there a reason or you just haven't made it that far yet or just don't have a you know to go. part of it is part of it is uh the friends the the friends that i've met online they are in person also they've mostly um travel the west coast so i do like being around my friends also the east coast just isn't as rv friendly as the west coast from what everybody tells me so i have a fairly long rig i have a 30 foot travel trailer that i pull with my 19 foot truck so uh traveling the east coast with that uh will not be nearly as it is here on the west coast so i would actually like to downsize to a van oh, did i lose yeah. you no a little bit but i think i caught most of it yeah you, you mentioned downsizing and, and that's one of the things too as, as you know and for listeners out there i was in a 40 foot super c and i and i traveled pretty much the same way as you did moving you know, maybe an hour or two every two or three weeks, you know, and kind of doing a real slow roll. But um, yeah, um, but yeah, I, I moved into a van because I wanted to do this Canadian trip. I wanted to do the East Coast and, you know, ridges and tunnels on the East Coast, man, they're they're not very friendly to, to RVs, you know, especially big ones like I had in the one that you're in. Yeah. And, you know, I, I picked my RV because I was moving out of a house and I was told that, oh, you're going to want something that's a little big. You're going to want some space. Get get uh, opposing slide outs and, and you know, you're living in it. So you want to make sure that you're comfortable. And that it was good advice, but I've realized that I really don't need a lot of space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's amazing on how you can adapt into whatever... You, you grow or expand. And this is just not even just in an RV. It, it's going to be the same in a house. You know, you grow or expand your stuff based off the amount of space that you have. So I know people that have moved out from a one-bedroom apartment to a three-bedroom home. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, we got to go out and buy stuff to fill this room. Or we got to go out and buy stuff to fill that room. 
but they never use it, you know, but you have that need to, so you're going to grow into a space or you're going to shrink into a space no matter what you have. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I have some friends that were nomads in a small space and they've moved into a house and I've went and visited their house and maybe they've only lived there six months Mm -hmm. and I'm blown away by how much stuff that they have. They have a garage (laughs) full of tools and I mean, just so much stuff, but I'm just kind of um, ready for something different. I I think that transitioning to a different type of rig can provide a much different way of traveling. So you mentioned that you you started traveling with the escapers and you met a lot of people, but now you're kind of shifting your focus on travel. Um, and, And what is that now? So I, I've always been a big music fan. And during the pandemic, I, really missed live music and I realized just how important it was to me. So I swore that as soon as the pandemic was over, I was going to get out and see as many live shows as I could. And so that's what I've done this year. Um, So last year I went to quite a few live shows, but this year that's my main focus. And I am following uh, some of my favorite bands some big concerts, big festivals, and also going to just some live local shows at the uh, places I pass through. You know, and and that's what's great is you can just pack up and you can go and you can follow them and see them in different areas. Um, How many shows have you been to so far this year in 2023? (laughs) Uh, So it's July. And so I've been to over 50 ticketed shows so far this year. Wow. And you have reservations for 50 and since July, because we're recording this in August, it's uh, seven months, 50 shows is someone needs to math that for me, but that's a lot of shows. <laughs> so, yeah, I, it's a lot of shows for sure. <laughs> um, and, you know, a lot of those shows have multiple bands. We've been talking with Matthew Sands from Lucky 2 RV here. We're going to pick it up in a little bit again. But I think talking to music, this song is great for him. I won't stop now. By Nikki Gee here on RV Dreaming.
Welcome back to the RV Dreaming Radio Podcast. Story here with you. We've been talking to Matthew Sands from Lucky Two RV here, and I, I did the math during this during the break. Fifty shows since July. This year alone is a little more than seven shows, ticketed shows per month since the beginning of 2023. Man, that's that's a lot. And you were saying that a lot of these shows are even festivals that have multiple bands within them. I've seen a lot of bands play this year. Um, a lot of the same bands, one of my favorite bands, Stick Figure, I followed their tour. I saw them seven times this year. I think it's to the point where some of these musicians are starting to recognize me <laughs> <laughs> just because I'm, and I pop into, you know, random cities, random states. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's nice to have passions. People think that just because you're living in a small space, you can't have hobbies. You can't have passion anymore. A lot of people have those little hobby rooms that they like to do or whatever, but you, you can find passion and hobbies and, and things that you love even out on the road and still find ways of being able to enjoy it. And sometimes even more so than being in a sticks and bricks. Definitely. Um, so one thing I did is I, I did, I, I generally like to spend winters where it's warm, which is Arizona seems to be the best spot. A lot of us nomads migrate to in the winter. And uh, so I settled down for the winter for an extended amount of time. And I was in the Phoenix area, which allowed me to catch a bunch of bands as they came through. But as soon as it got hot there, I was mm -hmm. out of there. And now I've just been uh, cruising around. I, I went up to Vegas um, on my way to Colorado went to some Red Rock shows and uh, Salt Lake City and then Tahoe. And so I'm in California now, which is where I'll be the rest of the summer. And I have a bunch more festivals and concerts lined up. Definitely a fun year for me. <laughs> I was just going to ask about the venues because there's so many great music venues. And I was going to mention Red Rocks as, as one of them. That's just these iconic things that are on people's bucket lists. You know, they say like they might live in Florida or they might live back east somewhere. It's like, I would love to go see a show at Red Rock, but the cost, the expense, the timing, all that other kinds of stuff come into come into play. Because if you're living out east, you got to buy an airline ticket. You got to get the concert ticket. You got to get a hotel room. You got to get a rental car, you know, and, and all this. Then you got food, eating out, dining. And, you know, Denver's not a cheap area, as you know, you know, when it comes to all that oh, i've got a siren coming up here even out in the middle of nowhere they still have <laughs> noisy sirens and cops and stuff you know so um it, this you know doing this i'm sure if you were still living in a sticks and bricks there's no way you'd be able to afford to go to all these shows no i i would not be able to and um really fuel is my largest expense uh but since i've been on the road my cost of living has gone down a lot of people ask me how do you afford to travel full-time well, I don't have a mortgage. I don't have uh, I don't have all the utilities that you have to pay for in a house. Living in a house is expensive, especially yeah. in California, which is where I was from um, originally. It is ridiculously expensive. And so when I moved into an RV, uh, especially since I have solar and I'm boondock capable and I'm not really staying in paid campsites, it is extremely affordable and it allows me to do these things like buy concert tickets. I, mm -hmm. If I want to save money, uh, since my biggest expense is fuel, I can just park for two weeks, a month, and 
I save a ton of money and I can buy more tickets to shows. Mm -hmm. On a larger scale, people think about RVing and and, um, and cost savings. You know, it's nice to have all your stuff here. So like when you're traveling and you're hitting up these new cities, a lot of people spend, I know I did, a lot of money just eating out. Because when you're in a hotel room, that's really your only option. You have to be dining out. Um, and that's a huge chunk of any sort of travel budget. But when you're traveling in your RV in your home... You've got your refrigerators, you got your pots and pans, you got all your kinds of stuff that you need, and you can really cut back on one of your, you know, gas is a big expense, but so is food, dining out, you know, for normal travelers, you know, you can cook whatever you want, you can eat as healthy as you want or unhealthy as you want, uh, you know, it, it's, it really it's is true. A- and that's actually how I, some of these music festivals that I go to will uh, charge extra to be able to stay and camp at the festival. Mm-hmm. And they'll have a RV pass. And sometimes it's a couple hundred dollars for that RV pass on top of the ticket price. And that's kind of how I justify it is, well, I'm not going to be buying any food or paying for any expensive beverages at these venues. So it kind of balances out. And and hotel rooms too. You know, hotel rooms could be $150, $200 a night. So if you're going yeah. to a three or four day festival, you know, you just pull right on in and it and it makes it worth it at that point you were cutting out earlier but i i just remember this question that i was going to you know we were talking about like iconic music venues like red rocks mm-hmm. uh in denver and whatever um what's on your bucket list for the east coast what venues out there are you saying like i really got to see a show out there so before i get to that i want to get to the pacific northwest because i really i haven't been to the gorge yet and i really want to oh. go see a show at the gorge um and some people say that it's even better than Red Rocks because you can camp there. And I feel like that's oh. more my style. And I think I'm really going to like to to do that. And I don't have any plans to do that yet, but maybe next summer. Um, as far as the East Coast goes, uh, there are there are a bunch of small venues in Florida that I'd really like to see some shows at. I like the idea of being on a beach and seeing some live music. Find us online. RVDreaming.tv. Remember to hit that subscribe button.
You're listening to the RV Dreaming Radio Podcast. Stuart here from Stuart Doing Stuff. And we are today talking to Matthew Sands from Lucky2RV here. Matthew, as we kind of wrap up the program here, I'm just kind of curious, how do you decide where to go beyond the music festival scene? Yeah, I mean, a a lot of uh, traveling, one of the most difficult decisions is is deciding where to go. Um, (laughs) And so at first, escapers kind of, helped me along with that because I'd see where uh, convergences were going to be. And then I would kind of map my route around those. Mm -hmm. This year, since I switched it up, I waited until Stick Figure announced their tour. And I kind of figured out how many shows I could go to and a route that I could take Mm -hmm. to go to those shows. And then I filled in everything around that. But I think that just kind of having one main uh, idea or path, once you have that, it's fun to just kind of put a bunch of little pieces in there. And that big thing for you before was the escapers, and then now it's Mm -hmm. stick figure. For other people, it could be national parks. It could be grandkids' birthdays. It could be you know, any number of, any number of things um, could be those, the, the big rocks, you know, the things that I want to do, I don't want to miss. And then you kind of fill in all the little blanks on the way and see what, what kind of, what kind of happens. And even though music is my primary focus this year, I've been to a ton of hot springs. I've been to uh, a lot of great areas. Uh, I've, I've visited a couple national parks this year. So I'm still doing some of those things mm-hmm. uh, just to fill in the time in between shows. And I'm sure uh, I am sure I will have some other uh, big rocks that I want to do in the future. I'm a, I'm a baseball fan. I am a Los Angeles Dodgers fan, and I love going to baseball games. And I'd love to visit all of the ballparks in the country. I, I was able to, um, I've seen, I've seen ball games in Arizona and, uh, all over California. And I got to go to the Rockies stadium course field and see a Dodgers game there. And so I'd like to do more of that too. What would you give advice? What advice would you give to somebody who is, um, ready to pull the trigger, but has not, they go, I'm going to do this but I don't know why I want to travel. I don't know if I want a van or if I want a fifth wheel or a travel trailer, but I know I want to get on the road. So some people suggest renting a rig. Uh, some people have suggested I rent a van and try to travel that way um, for a while. I think that that could be a, a good way for people to, to try to uh, figure that out. But I think that really it's just a matter of what style camping do you want to do? What, what do you want to do? Where do you want to park? Do you want to be out on national forest land and BLM land? Do you want to be in RV parks? Do you want to stay stealth camp in cities? And so there are a lot of determining factors that can help you decide what size rig is best for you. I think it's proven by a lot of people on the road when you start meeting people that you, you might not get it right the first time and that's okay. But as long as you get back out there and you are continuing to just grow and expand, you know, you'll, you'll figure it out. You'll, you'll figure it out. Um, hitting the road. Yeah. Some people out. ask me, what's the right 
what's the right rig for me to get out on the road? And a lot of times my answer is whatever will get you out on the road the quickest. Yeah. Yeah. Cause people change and it adapts and what you thought may have been a priority when you were shopping doesn't, isn't anymore. And what you may be dismissed is like, Oh, I don't need that. You know, reveals itself as being more important than you thought. So don't rush out there and buy that fancy new, brand new, expensive thing. Go find something to use. Go find something, little thing, just to kind of get you out on the road and start keeping a list. Like, I need this. I don't need that. I wish it had more of this or less of that or whatever. And then, you know, after a year or two, you're loving it. You're being out there and you're ready to make a change or or whenever. Um, you know, go back to that. And that's great advice that you just gave. Uh, not buying new, get something used. You know. An RV is not like buying a new car where it comes out perfect. A lot of these RVs have problems brand new and you have to work out the kinks. So if you get something that's used uh, from an owner that maybe already worked out some of those kinks and made some upgrades on it, that's really the better and let them take the hit on depreciation too. Yeah. Yeah, I have friends that are discouraging me from downsizing to a van, telling me, oh, you're you're not going to want that. You, you're too social. You like hosting. How are you going to be able to do that? And, you know, the answer to that is, well, I've, I've done that. I've, I've hosted a lot of uh, get-togethers in my RV, and I'm kind of ready for something different. Matt, it's great having you here on the program. As we kind of wrap this up here, if people wanted to reach out to you, if people wanted to find you online, on social, how can people how can people get in touch with you? On Instagram, my Instagram is lucky2rv here. Two is spelt T-O, not the number two. So lucky2rv here. And I just started a TikTok. You just cut out on me, but I think you said you just started a TikTok. As well. So okay. find me on lucky2rv here. You can find me on Facebook under that as well. All right. Thanks, Matthew Sands, again, for joining us here on the RV Dreaming radio podcast. And uh, again, go find Matt at Lucky2RV here on uh, all the different socials that you can find. And um, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode of RV Dreaming's podcast. Again, my name is Stuart. Come find me at Stuart Doing Stuff on Instagram. And remember to enjoy your travels. Make them safe. Make them fun. And make them memorable. Until next time, this is Stuart for RV Dreaming. Thanks for listening to the RV Dreaming podcast. See the action on Instagram. Stuart Doing Stuff. Hear about it on the podcast. Be sure to subscribe. We'll see you in the next episode.